Sure. I'll talk it out. Yeah. Let's just have a conversation. Track three. <clears throat> Better not be fucking Dave Matthews band. Okay. Those of you who don't want to be a part of this can leave now. Derek, please listen to me. But if you choose to stay, which it seems like you guys are choosing. Derek, please. You understand and agree to the following terms and conditions. Derek! One. Derek, this is the virus. You talking. hereby waive your right Derek, please. to your own personal bodily integrity. This is not you. Two. Per the state versus Neville Reed. My colleague and I will not be held criminally liable for any felony or misdemeanor that you may be a victim of, including, but not limited to, aggravated assault, aggravated battery, disorderly conduct, destruction of property, mayhem, and first-degree murder. And three, terms and conditions may change or be updated whenever the fuck I want! Consider yourselves notified. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. Describe the ruckus, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? DJ Nubis. And DJ Neko. On the Metal Time Radio Podcast, The Hordes of Chaos, episode 173. Wow, we're up to 173 already. Holy moly. Opening up the show was Booby Trap, Dead or Alive, Bon Jovi cover, provided by Against PR, so thank you much for that. Remember um, when we used to listen to Howard Stern and they would do like the parodies? The parodies. And he was doing the one about Don Imus, and it was to this song, and it was like, I'm a fake cowboy in my wheelchair, I run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were talking about the days when Howard wasn't such a bitch, because now he's turned the tables, and after years of 
making bank off the backs of, uh, you know, de you know, demoralizing women and, you know, basically exploiting special needs people. Trans people. Pretending I mean, that he was their friend and everything else. I mean, I guess I shouldn't really say because I really don't know Howard in terms of his relationships with these people, but I know that also uh, where he is now in terms of his life, like, you know, we, we agreed that as you grow older your views can change on things but you know the funny thing about me was my views changed pretty early in my life so you know let's say from 15 to 25 i looked at the world one way mm -hmm. and then it started turning to a, a different thing and so i was still relatively young when it happened now howard he just all of a sudden about i don't know what Ten years ago, maybe tops is when he decided to kind of. It's been less than that because, and the reason I know that is, remember I purchased my caliber in two thousand and ten, yeah. and I got Sirius Radio for free for three years, and then I kept paying for it for two more years. So like, two thousand and fifteen is when we decided to stop paying for for Howard. So roughly, it's been about seven years. Yeah. Right? So because we um. I remember, like, that was the whole reason that we were paying for Sirius was because we wanted to listen to Howard, and we did it before in, in other vehicles, too. But I just remember right around uh, 2015, I was like, I'm tired of, I, I don't even really listen to Sirius anymore. And the only reason I got it was because of Howard, and I'm not even listening to Howard. I just he's not the same and you know people do evolve well i thought it you know i thought it was interesting he changed his format he started dropping all the, the shenanigans and going more with like an hour-long interview with celebrities and mm -hmm. actors and whatnot and i thought okay you know that's reasonable you know you, you're just going a new direction but then it became where he was starting to lecture people who you know whether they're sexist or racist or whatever you know basically he had turned the tide over from what he was once the guy that would push back against people trying to uh, muzzle him or oppress him in some way, you know, throughout the years as a DJ trying to buck the trend, uh, to all of a sudden becoming the guy that wants to censor what people says and, uh, you know, criticizing our politicians is everyone's right, but it's like, it just kind of got me that he was coming out against Trump saying, you know, you can't be grabbing women by the police. I'm like, dude, you just spent 30 plus years putting naked women in your studio. Writing the Sibian. Yeah, so many things, degrading them in so many different ways. Now granted, I'm not saying... It was, it was their choice. It was their choice. They're adults. I get it. They're there. But he doesn't want to own up to it. He is right. kind of saying he's above right. all of this now. Yeah, like he's basically just turned the tide. Now he says, I don't know how serious he is, he's like he wants to run for president for 24 with uh, Bradley Cooper as his running mate. Hey, I love Bradley Cooper. Yeah, but you know, it's ridiculous. Like, I would never vote for this dickhead at all. Like, it, it, when I talk about the problems with the government and everything like that, it's both Democrats and Republicans. There's too much hypocrisy and Howard's just another one of those guys. Like, why on earth would we waste time on him? He's the perfect example of a guy who's a total hypocrite. So mm -hmm. it's pointless to even do That's that. That's what it is. It's 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 hypocritical and you know, he 
he almost wants to pretend that, you know, all these years from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and, you know, up to like 2010, he doesn't want to, he wants to pretend like it didn't happen, but we were there for a lot of it. We were there for... We were staunch report, uh, supporters mm -hmm. for a long time. And we listened to it. And, and look, if, if, if Howard really wants to take the presidency seriously, and you and I were talking a little bit while the song was playing earlier, is that then give that money back. Take whatever money you have left. Obviously, you're going to keep money for yourself so you can live, but you're making pretty good bank at Sirius anyway. But take the money that you have set aside and give it back to whatever. Like, you can choose whatever it is, whether it's special needs, charities, whatever. But do something right to make up for our, what is it we call it, reprimands or reparations for... Mm -hmm. Your, the way that you treated women and special needs people throughout those years. So show to me, as someone who doubts you in good faith, that you actually mean what you say. Mm -hmm. uh, now he's going to probably say, well, I don't really have to do that to prove anything. But I think you do, because in order for me to take you seriously... Yeah, now take you seriously as the person who is the serious interviewer and the person who is now... Right. Like, you know, you're Mr. Like Morals now, so... Let's let's put you on the spot and let's put your money where your mouth is because let's face it, some of those guys in the brat pack that you had aren't around anymore. Whack pack. Whack pack. Same difference. Uh, but yeah, I think that you need to kind of put your money where your mouth is and start giving back to these. I don't know what what you do for women that you've basically degraded over the years. I mean, you can't just really say, "Well, I'm giving money to strippers," but. Uh, Find some female cause. Well, maybe like a battered women's yeah. shelter or House right. of Ruth or something that would, would uplift women who Girls are Girls' education yeah. or whatever. Uh, so, you know, prove to us that you're worthy to hold the actual seat in the White House. It really started when he was on America's Got Talent. He got a really big... I mean, he's always had a big head, but then he got... I think he had like a couple of um, cycles of his big head. The, oh, that's definitely... You're right about that. The, the book... And yeah. then the movie, and then that kind of like fizzled out. But then the America's Got Talent thing was about eighteen years after the book. That's where it kind of really started. Where he's like, "I'm America's judge. I'm America's judge." And he was on there, and he he was good on there. But oh yeah, he's an ent entertainer. Look, it, even like I said, we were supporters during that time, so we already understood going in that these women and everything else did this willingly but there's also this thing where okay if you're gonna be that way or if you know you're gonna change your tide you need to at least own up to that and he won't because he says he doesn't um what it it's almost like he says he's embarrassed or um he he uh i can't get the right word um he, ashamed ashamed of his background um like he's moved on from that and i i think the reason that it kind of kind of hits me is because first of all how much money has he made and second of all he just doesn't want to admit that he made his fortune off of things that he now says like he's sorry for has worse because he doesn't seem to show to want to give any of it up. So, mm -hmm. to me, that's like clutching your pearls. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I've got my money. 
Oh, he's, uh, now he's in. That's right. Now he's like uber wealthy, so he's right. with the uber wealthy people. Yeah, because you have to remember, Sirius, when they took him out of uh, mainstream radio, they, they paid him had, a bank yeah. load. And they didn't have any money. Right. And he he was going on his faith that his people would follow them, and they did. Right. So, you know, it's not that he doesn't have followers, but, you know, this is one of these things now with him. Like, I can't take him seriously because if you're not going to show in good faith and, and make uh, peace and reparation for what you did those 30 years. I think, you... I think you and I, what we're basically saying is if you really are sorry, you need to prove that you're sorry instead of just being like, oh, that was my past. And Actions speak louder yeah, than words. Because you can't just say that was my past and I'm embarrassed by it, but now I'm living like a billionaire because he is he's got a hamptons house he's got a new york brownstone he's got a house in florida like the, he has a lot of money more money than you and i will ever see maybe he should kind of step back and say all right if i really am sorry maybe there is a way i can help people with special needs because he really was exploiting people with special needs oh yeah for his comedy and these people adored Howard. Yeah. So again, all everyone was adults, everyone agreed to do this, everyone understood what was happening. However, he's pretending that he did not become a billionaire from his contracts and from his former comedy where now he's not really doing that kind of comedy anymore. It's a long form interviews, it's um it's still a little bit of raunchy comedy, but not the way it used to be. Um, yeah, you know, it's weird, too, because it's almost as if he made that turn as another form of acceptance because, you know, for years, people knew who he was. So you, mm -hmm. he would get certain A-listers to be on a show, but then, like, other A-listers thought he was just a, a goof. And so now it's like when he changed over to these, these interviews and the more serious notes... Uh, it's kind of like, oh, well, I need to be taken seriously now because I'm, I'm the greatest thing ever. Yeah, I'm the, I'm the best interviewer. I'm not I'm just this guy that, you know, did all these crazy things. I'm now a serious interviewer. That's me. So, yeah, you know, if you're going to represent the Democratic Party or whatever you're coming in as, you need to show some good faith here and make it right with a lot of people because if you're willing to say that you're ashamed of your past and let's make it right and then if you want me to take you seriously as a candidate do it you know i agree with you i do 100 percent uh so coming up in today's show uh new stuff from entrails denouncement pyre cold cold we're so cold uh in the rock block i got a request from mr T kevin tarant oh. for some varja oh uh brand new seven kingdoms uh Neko's probably going to really like this because a while back they did a cover of Hearts Barracuda, which I really love. So their new record's really good. It's a hard rock sort of metalish record. Oh, cool. Uh, Werewolves, their new album's one of my best of the year. I have to get your USB drive so I can give you Add it on. Yeah, you have to do another. So what DJ Anubis does for me um, is he'll... I have this little tiny USB drive and I can plug it into my Jeep and listen to music and it has folders and stuff. So last year he made a folder and he gave me all of his albums, a couple, like five songs from each album that he considered like the best of the year. And 
he listens to way more music than I do, but it was kind of a good time too because that was when I was transitioning from my hiatus job back to my current job and um, I had a little bit of time to kind of drive around and um, in enjoy my month off, having a month off. <sighs> I mean, I, I missed the paycheck clearly, but you know, <clears throat> excuse me. Whoa. Hello. But you know what I mean? It was, it was a nice, I needed, I needed a little, it was more than a month. Holy shit. It was a month, almost two months off. I really needed the decompression, uh, because we, he and I both have been through a lot and, um, just to get back into what I'm doing again with the fiber optics and, but I love just having that little USB drive. I, I offer it to my coworkers because what we do at work swap yeah we swap music we swap um, movies and stuff so one guy came up to me and he's like I need to get some new music and I was like Jim I have like 7,000 songs on this USB drive however a lot of it is heavy metal I said but it's in folders so it'll be easy for you like to see like oh he because he likes like acdc and van halen mm -hmm. and stuff so i said there's a lot of like 80s rock on there there's there's stuff that you might like so he was really he said i just took the whole thing my last trip my partner um what i find funny is uh, my partner was about 10 years younger than me and um we both had a lot of similar interests too, which was really crazy. Like the songs and stuff that we kind of connected through, but his Spotify, like, because we are away from the shore, we lose connection and his Spotify stopped working. So I said, do you want some of my music? Um, because you know, I got like Limp Bizkit and Corn and stuff. And I know you like that. He took everything too. He's like, I just took it all. I was like, yeah, just delete what you don't like. Um, you know, and maybe you'll find something that is new and you do like. And he's a, a he likes to lift weights, so a lot of the metal. I told him I, I gave him some specific uh, bands. I was like, you know, lifting weights is really great to Slayer. Like, and he's like, I know a couple of Slayer songs, but you have more Slayer. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen to Slayer. You'll enjoy lifting weights to Slayer. <laughs> but um, how many out? I mean, it's June, July, so we are just over mid-year what do you have now that how excuse me how many are your picks of the year so far yeah so we're in july so i have 15 albums that are mm. on the list already so, that so there could potentially be another 15 uh maybe usually it tends to slow down a little bit but then somewhere between like november december it might get like a few more to pop in there as late arrivals sometimes because there's been a couple of years where i've heard something in january that i was like oh wow this would have made my list for the year before but you know i didn't get to add it mm -hmm. in but uh yeah so i actually ended up removing one just because over time i've said well i don't think i've listened to this that much since early on so i took it out so what are your um what are your qualifications like what what do you say how it, i mean because for me sometimes i i'm very like yes or no if i like it i like it if i don't i don't and um i remember listening to your 2021 list and i would text you and i'm like this is really good what was the one that had like that middle eastern sound to it I, uh, yeah i can't pronounce that akahenaton that was amazing to me but 
do you sit down and say, okay, uh, this is how I qualify it, um, re-listenability, technicality, creativity, is that... Those, you... those all go into it, but it's also just if it moves me. Like, if I, for instance, uh, let's say I find one record and, like, nine out of ten songs are, like, perfect songs, even if that tenth song isn't something that I, I like the most out of the rest, if it's still good enough, then I end up rounding up to like a perfect record so uh a lot of it's that but a lot of it's also just if it moves me like uh i think i find mostly this year i have a quite a bit of like thrash and and death of course is normally in there uh, a few black metal albums and usually those are the ones that are creative and you know like howling in the fog is actually a one-man project and has a lot of atmosphere that i really really love uh, in fact, so much so that we played one track is a, it was more like a rock track. Yeah. So, so he was able to do a little bit of different things on that record to, you know, make it stand out for me. Uh, Seven Kingdoms, like I said, they're, you know, led by a front woman. Uh, they're, they're more like hard rock, but they have a little bit of heavy metal in them, so it's, it can go back and forth. Uh, there's just some other other records sometimes I go into, and I'm like, well, I know who the band is, and normally they're like say blood ass nord their new one uh disharmonium uh is fantastic it's a little bit more death vein but their first couple albums were more in the black metal realm which were very good but things in between i didn't really care about that much it's like we said on our last episode too like you and i really respect creativity mm-hmm. like we really respect creativity and but that's why i like giving you these records because you come back and you say well yeah i was listening to this i like this but this one not so much uh and that's the thing that's that's why when we go to do our best ofs of the year you're you give your opinion of what they are you're like she doesn't have the time to really sit there like i do and go through tons and tons of records because i could probably find stuff I, I remember sometimes i'll be playing a song and it might be from a record that maybe has two or three good songs but she's like i really like this song <laughs> So she doesn't re- really re- realize at the time that that entire record may not be that great, but that particular song is, and that's why it's on my, my phone when I'm playing it. So. And sometimes, well, this is not sometimes, this is all the time, whether I'm home or away on the ship, um, if I'm listening to something that he's recommended and I'm just zipping around town or going to work or whatever, <clears throat> or I am at work on the ship, while I'm listening to it, I start like jotting down things so I try to keep up with the podcast even though I'm not on it but when he's when he produces it he sends me a link so that I can listen while I'm out on the ship because um, they don't like streaming because it takes up a lot of bandwidth so he'll send me a link and as I'm listening to the music I'll um, I'll just like message him what was that song <laughs> at 35 minutes and 27 seconds on episode you know 152 and he'll go back and he'll he'll tell me and i said that's really good or if i'm if like right now if i'm home and i'm listening to something that he kind of put on my usb drive the cool thing about the usb drive and i'm sure maybe i'm i'm just not super techy, but like the cool thing about my USB drive is you plug it in and you I have a touch screen in my Jeep and I can just literally like fast forward it, etc. It has the album art and I'll be driving around and I'm like, holy shit. And I'll be like, 
that song by you know XYZ is amazing and that's that's kind of how he he gets my take on things because I um I, I do try to listen to the music that he curates because he is really great at just understanding what I like understanding what people like and and really like I hate saying speaks to me but you, you know what I mean like I would listen to the podcast when I was out on the ship and I like to go for walks around the ship and I would listen to it while I'm in the, in the shop and it was it was good like that's the one thing I really give DJ Anubis credit for with this podcast is it may not be everything or bands that you actually know about but it's really interesting and really different and and really good songs so it's a really it's really easy just to have a playlist i mean even if you don't if you don't want to listen to us you can fast forward through us and listen to the music because mm -hmm. you really spend time picking out songs from all of our different um promotional sites and from different yeah like they'll send me sometimes like full albums and you know i'll kind of go through them a little bit and I'll find one I think stands out mm -hmm. you know some of the other ones and then I'll, that's the one I'll play for those labels sometimes they request certain songs which I do play for them uh, if they have one particular single in mind that they need to be released that's fine uh, I do have a lot of stuff from the labels and promotional sites in this episode as usual so also got our, the, our local uh, <coughs> excuse me our independent labels uh, got my retro movie DVD pick this week that we watch so also we're going to talk about obi-wan the series premiere uh the final of that uh we'll give our thoughts tonight because we did like maybe a couple episodes a couple episodes back uh and then of course neko is going to be giving her thoughts on the batman and dr strange and the multiverse of madness because she just finally got around to seeing those and then we're going to talk a little bit about the issues surrounding miss marvel now i got some thoughts on that but uh, I also got some clarifications that need to be on that as well oh so. cool so into our first block in music new stuff from Truant in Trails as I discussed earlier and how about this brand new Darkane yeah in oh my god Darkane inhaling mental chaos here we go
listening to Metal Tavern Radio. Alright, we are back. And I guess we'll go through your reviews first since we've kind of, I've kind of covered them, but we're going to get your take on the Batman and Doctor Strange 2. Before we get into the other thing, so... What other thing? The Miss Marvel. Thing. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. I already uh, forgot. God damn it. I already oh. forgot. So... We'll start with the Batman. Alright, we'll start with Batman. The Batman. Yeah. I, um... I watched DJ Anubis's YouTube on this while I was away. He sent me a copy of it, and... I think there are some things that he and I just completely agree on small details that kind of for example um catwoman's mask looks like a sock on her head it really when when she would wear it it would take me out because i i know they were really trying to be kind of raw and Mm -hmm. you know this is underground and it's young batman etc but which was really weird because when you we, we sit there and we watch this film, and we're like, okay, this is the early stages of Batman. So his technology wasn't as good as it was in, say, like, the Nolan trilogy or anything else we've seen. But then 
they have technology within this film that's like like the the, the eye the contact lens mm-hmm. um some of the things they had at uh, the bat cave or whatever you wanted to call it they had some tracking data like he had it was so weird because it was supposed to be vintage but then like you had like certain things that were very uh technology advanced yeah so like it was really kind of a weird thing so again the the mask that catwoman's wearing is something that looks like it literally looked like a black sock with eyes cut out over her face. <laughs> right, like, they just cut out the mask from the ski mask, and she just had, like, this thing running across her nose, so every time she wore it, it just looked kind of silly, so I was spending a lot of time laughing at that part of it. And she was so good, though, like, Zoe The rest Kravitz, of the suit looked great. Well, they took her suit and modeled it kind of off of the 60s suit. I don't know if you've noticed that, like, the Julie Newmar suit. Yeah. Her suit was very similar where it's, well, so was Michelle Pfeiffer's suit. Like the black leather. Yeah, yeah, the black leather. But the Julie Newmar suit, she wore like a traditional small black mask like over her eyes. Right. And then had cat ears. With this, they were trying, because it did kind of have a little bit of a pointy ear to the mask, but... It still just looks so sloppy. And I get it. This is the grungy underground Gotham. This is because there was a a quote at the end between Selina and Batman where she's like, it's just going to get worse. So that's what they're expecting in this. This is a terrible city and they're expecting it to get worse until it gets better. They really do dive into um, Arkham and they dive into, which which really was interesting... um, that was Batman's mother's maiden name was Arkham, and Arkham was named after. I don't know if you caught that or not. Um, Arkham, yeah. Yeah, so that was, uh, I keep wanting to say Mary is his mother's name, but Bruce, Bruce Wayne's mother, right? Arkham was her maiden name, and that's how Arkham was named. So it could be either, like, Arkham and Wayne were both, like, rich families already, et cetera, et cetera. I um I I said to DJ Anubis as I was watching it, first of all, it was the longest fucking movie ever. And I know one of my favorite movies, The Departed, is also the longest fucking movie ever, but I can't stop watching it. Well, I, I watch it nonstop to completion. I think the difference is though with especially with you, uh long movies need to have a balance. So Departed has a lot of balance. It's kinda of ebb and flow. So even if it kind of like gets to a point where it's getting long, all of a sudden it picks back up with action and something something surprising. So, whereas Batman, you there get, was so much that could have been edited. You get to the end or close to the end, and you're like, okay, well this would be a good finishing point, but then like it goes beyond that. So basically, after they've caught the Riddler, it's like, okay, well we're pretty much finished, but then we're not. But then they're not. So then there's like this whole other, and it's not just like a. It's not like a 10 or 15 minute thing. It's almost another half hour where you have to go through this whole other ordeal. It's like what you call the, the, uh, the Lord of the Rings ending. Because I was like, when is this movie going to fucking end ever? I um. Well, the Lord of the Rings, that was a little bit different only because... It was a uh, worse movie. I well, mean, no, the, ex- the extension was basically what happened after yeah, the world I, was destroyed. So, yeah, you technically could have ended it where the Eagles came to save Frodo and Sam, but... 
We had to see the departure of Bilbo and. Of they could have. They could have ended it at the departure where they're pushing him off and bye bye. <laughs> but then they kept going and going, and Sam has a family and fucking bull. This is the thing. I don't know. Lord of the Rings though was still engaging for me, but not for me. But Batman, I kind of found myself squirming in my seats. I fell asleep. Like <laughs> I, 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 we rewatched the last half hour because I said to him, I was watching the Batman and. I was into it, and I got to the point where the Riddler got caught, but then I fell asleep, so he rewound it about a half an hour, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is the last thing I remember. So I've, I've heard people kind of compare this to Seven, because of the way the Riddler would leave his clues. It is a much darker version of Batman than we're used mm-hmm. to. And, and, like, for me, I saw a little bit of Seven in it. But not because it wasn't to the point where, like, I thought it was a carbon copy of the movie Seven, but I saw some, like, little similarities. I thought this movie was more like the fucking Watchmen. And I even said to DJ Anubis, who directed this, because I thought it was Snyder. Right. (laughs) The way that it was shot, the way it was fucking dark, because that's what Zack Snyder likes to do. Everything's fucking so dark that you need a flashlight to watch the movie. And um, now that I, now The Watchmen I love. I love that movie. I, I So does DJ Anubis. But I, I but felt... You, you mentioned at the time, though, that you felt that movie was a bit long, too. It, it is a bit long. It is. But it's it's long that I enjoy and appreciate like the, the departed I, it's long but right. i enjoy like the godfather it's long but i enjoy and appreciate this there are so many times after you know i've only watched it once but if i go back and i start looking at it there's so many little stupid things that could be edited out do you think it dragged a little bit because one of the things i think you and i ground and people of course have debated this is the supporting characters, like, were they strong enough to help carry this along with... Because we both agreed the only that one that's, Pattinson was great. Yeah, Selena was really good. Yeah, uh, Zoe Kravitz was, was good, really yeah. good. Um, I hated the Riddler. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, like... He isn't menacing enough. Um, he needs to be menacing and insane. And the storyline that the Riddler had was very menacing and insane, but the execution was not there. I feel there could have been more. I wanted more. The Riddler is off the fucking charts. He's off the chain. He is... The other thing, too, like, when they were kind of talking about his... YouTube, where he, they're like, oh, he's got like 500 followers. That wouldn't have been the Riddler. Riddler would have been like 2 million followers. The Riddler is really into himself. The Riddler is really into Yeah, he was getting, about making a statement. Yeah. So even that little kind of detail. And that's the other thing, too. I mean, I know this was a different approach, but we talked about it again with Carrie's version of the Riddler, where even though visually that was a lot different like the Riddler was a lot more flashy and everything which is what the original Riddler was mm-hmm. back in the 60s uh, even then with Carrie's it was all about the uh, uh, making a statement and being out there and being crazy 
And uh, we didn't get that with Dano. Dano was a lot more reclusive and uh, brooding and even the violence was more... It wasn't even really clever violence. It was just like, oh, I'm gonna... Like, his clues were good. Like, we figured out throughout the entire film that he was leaving certain clues for, mm -hmm. like, the, the carpet thing was a purpose for that. But in terms of his actual kills, it was all very generic, like what you would find as a regular killer. So, I don't know if this movie's like a stepping stone for something else going forward. Uh, I get kind of what they do. I do like the Batmobile a lot. That was kind of cool, the retro thing going on there. But again doesn't mesh with the other stuff that there's a like this really good technology they have but then didn't have for other things so it's really weird i i honestly feel like if they had cast the riddler differently i would have we did think loved. that we did think that Pharrell did go with the the penguin though and he's in it for 20 minutes right and i everybody really enjoyed his um portrayal his portrayal that Penguin uh, is supposed to get his own series. I don't know much about that, but I would be fine with that because I thought Colin did a really good job with that. Like, I didn't expect it. Uh, it, it none of the performances And I actually here. liked his, This is going to sound crazy because you know how much I like Batman Returns. Like, I like this version of Penguin more than Danny DeVito because the Penguin is supposed to kind of be, like, a little gangstery, and he's he's... I mean, they, they made him look... Um, well, I always felt that Burton just went a little too literal. The, well, they made him of. look like the... Car, the in, in Burton's version, they made him look like the comic book with the, you know, Eyeglass, the monocle yeah. and the top hat. But then they kind of made it, like, a little gross, too. And that was Tim Burton's thing. But, you know, Penguin is... He's in with, like, trying to be, like, a gangster, like the Joker. And... That's why, like, this whole, like, strip club um, storyline worked. And, you know, him being there and Selena going through the club and working at the club. Like, all of that really, really worked. This movie could have been over the top for me if they cast the Riddler somebody... I, I hate to say, just like you said, like just put Jim Carrey back in it because we've seen Jim Carrey in some serious roles too, and he's pretty menacing as well. Um, well, two things would have been good about that. One, uh, I do think that if you have a darker version of Carrey, other version, like one, you're, you're Carrey's a good actor, but two, uh, it would be kind of cool for a nostalgia factor. That would be something people can latch onto, mm -hmm. even though if you didn't really like. Batman Forever. The, re the reality is, you're saying, "Oh wow, they're paying homage sort of to that with Carrie reprising a role, but only a darker side of that." And uh, that would have been kind of cool, I thought. Um, Penguin, yeah, like uh, it's really weird. Like and even at the end, like you finally got to see it was their little Easter egg for the Joker. Like again, just not. It wasn't even a good Joker. I don't even know who that was. Yeah, it, well, it did, I think they were trying to leave it open on purpose because they like, didn't show his face or anything it right. could be anybody but you made a comment you're like it would have been great if they got jack nicholson and because yeah. you can't see his face Again, at all it would just be dark right you know it would have been dark and you would have been like <sighs> that been where did they get a load of me you right. know like, yeah that just would have been fucking amazing like uh even if you didn't use either one of them guys going forward like 
just even Nicholson having that cameo would be fucking phenomenal. And the the way that they shot it, it was so obscured that all you got were like yeah. a silhouette. So it could literally be any person Anybody. going forward. It, you didn't see the face. So what about Doctor Strange? I had no interest in seeing this at all. I didn't care. And you saw it and you were happy with it. And I watched your review and probably didn't pay enough attention to it. But like... I did not realize that Sam Raimi di- directed it. And then when I started, when I realized it, I said to him, I was like, I didn't, and this is within the last week, because uh-huh. he, he, he was saying to me, oh, Doctor Strange is on Disney Plus. I'm like, I don't care. And I've been home now for a month. But so we had done like the whole army of doctors, evil dead thing. So I think that kind of sparked your yeah. interest. In and it. then when I found out Sam, Sam Raimi directed it, I was, I was just like, okay. This can't be bad. And it was really great. Um, and it was very Sam Raimi. Like, you can feel Sam Raimi in the entire movie. And, of course, our buddy Bruce shows up. And just a cameo part, but it's so Bruce. And getting <laughs> <laughs> so much fun with it. Yeah. Uh, the only drawbacks, I think, uh, America, the girl, fine actress, no problem there, but... It's something that we're going to get into with the next topic, but... I don't know enough about her character. I don't know... Right. We find ourselves not caring about ones that we're just not familiar with. Now, again, I'll I'll talk about it when I get to Miss Marvel, but... When it comes to this universe, you and I have a vested interest in the fact that we knew that Wanda would be in this. So Scarlet Witch... And I didn't... See, I didn't realize that either. So I'm like, okay, Sam Raimi is directing it. Scarlet Witch is in it. This is going to be great, and if you didn't watch WandaVision, or... You might be lost. You would be lost, and, um... I don't want to say Loki, but maybe the last Avengers movie, where they were kind of jumping through the multiverses with the Tesseract and everything. Mm -hmm. If you didn't see that and understand what the multiverses is, but you kind of see that with Loki if you watch the Loki show as well, because um, that that was the whole thing with with the Loki show was you can't have like a divergent or anything. So with this a variant variant, thank you. Um, with with this, um, you know, in in the the multiverse that we're familiar with you know wanda is the scarlet witch she is super powerful and in wandavision if you watched it she was so powerful she was able to take over an entire town and yeah the whole mind pur- numb the entire town so that she could have the life that she wanted yeah the whole purpose was she got a hold of the book, Darkhold book, which has become a factor in some of these other series and stuff. And her objective was to basically find another timeline where her kids were there, even though they're... they're even though just, she invented her right. kids. So she was going to find the kids, possess the, the, the Wanda there, and become... Or either replace it or wanted to. But she figured if, with the Darkhold book, she'd be able to say, okay... I can be with my fictitious kids because it makes me happy with the loss of vision and everything else. And then what I'll do is, if they ever get sick, I can just go to different timelines and find a cure for that. That was her whole plan. She Now, it, it, she, obviously, she was... 
doing some bad things, but ultimately she wasn't looking to rule the world or the universe. She was All just she wanted was her kids. Right, she Literally. just wanted a peace of mind. But unfortunately, it was coming at a cost of a lot of different things, and that's why Doctor Strange had to step in and uh, help this America because she had another type of power that allowed her just to open up these gateways throughout the multiverse and jump through them. So that's what Wanda wanted. Uh, I yeah, I really enjoyed this far more. You didn't ever, you never saw the first Strange movie, so to me, this one was much better. Uh, Initially, I thought that when Wanda was going to be in it, she was going to be like a tag team where they defeated the villain, but she ended she up being the villain. She is kind of the villain. Right, so... And then I think when she finally, um, at the end, got to the multiverse and was trying to get to the kids, and she's in a different universe, and there's a different Wanda there, and the kids were like kind of scared of her. It, it, that's what kind of really triggered her and um, then the multiverse Wanda looked at Scarlet Witch Wanda and was like just know that they're they're loved and taken care of and that yeah, was like a two thing like Scarlet Witch realized through that that she was harming her other self which was hurting her kids and then her kids were so just scared she, so she became the monster that she didn't want to be and of course, the wand that was there realizes that the reason why she's there is because she has something that she doesn't. Mm -hmm. So that's why she tells her, "Look, you know, they're going to be okay." You know, and that's. And that that the multiverse Wanda did not have the dark old book, right? And didn't have all those those spells and powers. So, in our universe, Wanda, she destroyed it. She destroyed everything because she didn't want anyone to get that that power again because and, and she destroyed it in every universe, universe. so it, the dark hold is gone now and apparently i guess the only way to um travel is through either the tesseract or through america mm -hmm. so and that's a whole other that's thing. a whole other thing that could probably happen in another movie so i just i really like that actress um which one? Scarlet Witch. She's oh, one Elizabeth of the Olsen. Olsen. Yeah, Elizabeth Olsen. She's one of the. She's the baby. She's Lizzie Olsen. She is the baby sister of Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen, and she used to be like in the home videos of Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen that they used to do back in the '90s as baby Lizzie, and they would like torment her and stuff. But I love her as an actress. She has been great in everything that we've ever seen. And I was really happy that she got to be part of this Marvel Universe. And She's actually done really well. She was part of Godzilla mm -hmm. 2014. And so, obviously, with this role of Scarlet Witch, she's really found some footing. Uh, yeah, I, I really like her, too. I like the character. I like what they're doing with her. The WandaVision was a pleasant surprise. It was a little bit weird, but we figured out what was going on and you know same thing with Loki but now we talked about it before Moon Knight and now Miss Marvel like it, it's not people are enjoying these things I look in Rotten Tomatoes Miss Marvel has a 90% critics rating and 82% audience so that's really good but maybe I'll give it another episode I just the first episode was just kind of well, well the only thing for me well there's two things for me one is it's clear this is designed for kids. It's more of a kids thing, uh, and I'm not talking like just long-term fans. I know there's some older fans that do enjoy it, 
but the uh, the uh, their objective audience is kids, and uh, that's fine. But the other thing is that you and I discussed is like we get to a point with some of these uh, new characters that are being introduced that we do we really care about them. So here you have a young woman, a uh, young girl whose favorite uh, Avenger is Captain Marvel. And so now she tries to mimic her or follow her, and then of course she gains her powers or whatever. I forget how she even got them. But she was what? She, so apparently, in it's her, like a glove or something. It was a bracelet. Like yeah. she went up into the attic of her family's home and found this bracelet, and she put the bracelet on, and she had powers that she didn't know that she could control. Now I know some people, and you know our friends online and everything, they really dig this. Uh, it's not that. I have any problems with the acting that's usually the less problem that I ever have it's just why do I care about this character uh, I find myself just far more invested in the main character so like when Thor Love and Thunder comes out I'm there because I love the character I do too uh, Moon Knight was interesting obviously because of the Egyptian mythology and everything in it and stuff like that but again I don't find myself really caring that much if it stops <laughs> Like, it just doesn't have a hold on me like some of these other characters do. But some of the backlash with Miss Marvel, like, they're saying it's the lowest rated Marvel series of, of all the Marvel content out there. But, but then there's people who you just looked at Rotten Tomatoes and people are liking it. Well, and then there's a lot of articles out there now. It's hard to, and this is where I gotta kind of push back a little but they're saying. Yeah, you get a lot of people who are giving it one stars and then they're throwing out sexist and racist thing because obviously she's, I don't know what she would call Middle Eastern. Uh, I or, think she may be Indian. Yeah, you know, obviously a person of color. So the, some of the backlash that they're saying that they're getting is from people who are just anti that. Oh, that sucks. And which I'm sure that's part of it, but at the same time, like, when I see people get online and they start talking about this, it becomes this generalization. I'm like, that's not really the case of everybody. Like, I, like we just discussed, it's not anything to do with the, the actors or actors actresses in it. It's just that why do I care about this particular character? Because there's only so much you can actually keep up with. And so, and, like, and on top of that, like, it, it's about a teenage girl, and we don't really resonate with a teenage right. girl that much. Right. And so, like, I watched The Eternals. Uh, a while back it's on Disney that's another faction of this shit uh you know was it as bad as people are saying no but I, again why do I care I just I have no interest in that part of it there's just too much of it so we keep discussing the oversaturation of Marvel I, look Marvel is clearly being smart about everything like they're creating this universe that they're going to continue to go with who knows how long they'll go with it, but it's, it's very cool how they've done this from the beginning. They've had a plan, they stuck to it, uh, they've managed to keep mainly most of their actors in place for those characters, so that's a good thing. Uh, and, you know, and this stuff like Moon Knight, Miss Marvel, uh, Black Panther obviously opens these doors for diversity, which is great. I'm always supportive of that, so. It doesn't bother me there. In fact, you and I both agreed Captain Marvel was not as bad as people were saying, uh, despite Brie Larson's, you know, other issues outside of that. Uh, so, you know, it, for you and I, it's like, okay, we'll, t we'll give a chance to it. Like you said, we might go back and watch the rest of this, but it's going to be very difficult for us, I think, to kind of 
stick with this because it's not really geared towards us as adults. Like it's it's more mainly geared towards uh, the teenagers and mm-hmm. just like I would say diehard fans who actually know who she is. I never knew who she was. I don't know much about in. her either, and I was you know a big old nerdy nerd. Now, I don't know. Some people have said that the original Miss Marvel wasn't of this ethnicity. Uh, but I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know enough right. about it, so I can't speak to so it. So sometimes when people get angry about this stuff, that's part of that woke culture, I guess, or whatever they want to call it. It's not woke culture. It's more like they're getting mad because they don't think it's authentic. Right. And but that but that happens with everything because like we've seen it even with our main characters, they're not always doing everything by the book. Like they'll change things in the Marvel universe, and it's really hard. So a lot of these characters have existed for, I don't know... Years. Year, uh, Way 60, back. 70 yeah. years. So how can you take all of this... All of these stories that they've come up with in comic books... And, and these comics have multiverses... And these comics have alternative, you know, stories... How can you take that and turn it into a movie... And make it... We, we saw the same thing with the X-Men... Everything. It's really difficult... I mean, X-Men for me was always my one seed, and that was kind of like a big surprise that happened in uh, Doctor Strange. Same yeah. Professor X, yeah. yeah. And that, that was a fun scene. Like, that showed you some different... In fact, the whole nod with... Um, what did they call her? Because it wasn't Captain America, but it was Agent... It was Captain America, Agent Carter. Right, but they didn't call her Captain America. Yeah, they they called her something else, I thought. Figure what it was, but it was a it was a different universe. So right, but that was cool because I think on Disney Plus there's the animation where they go what if, and they do different universes where Agent Carter played Captain America in one of those episodes of the animation. So that was cool to see that in real life uh, portrayed in Doctor Strange. All right, well let's get back into our let's music. Let's get back to the music. Got some uh, brand new stuff from Denouse Empire in here. Cold, Swamp Born. But here's some uh, Panzer Creek 666 called War Torn from Grand Sound.
Introducing the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast, available today on your favorite podcast platform. Metal Tavern is a heavy metal, rock music, and movie podcast where they discuss movies, music, current events, and feature live interviews with bands, artists, and YouTube personalities. They spotlight independent labels and feature the underground bands the label represents. Again, that's the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Stream it today on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podbean, YouTube, and at the website MetalTavernRadio.com. Many episodes up for you to listen to already, and make sure you subscribe to be notified of future releases. That's the Metal Tavern Radio Podcast. Go listen, download, and subscribe today. You can also connect on Facebook. Search Metal Tavern Radio and follow the guys on Twitter at DJ Anubis88 and DJ underscore Nico Catfreak. He does not find me funny. I've only made him laugh one time. One time, seven Christmases ago. I was in D.C. I called my wife up. I go, yo, what do you want for Christmas? My wife's like, pajamas. That's what I heard, pajamas. She meant pajamas. I heard pajamas. She meant a pair of pajamas. Start there, Bert. I heard the plural. So I bought her seven pairs of pajamas and individually wrapped them. She had a lot of shit to open. And then sat back in the cut going, done, son. Bitch wants pajamas. Bitch got pajamas. All Christmas, I'm like, yo, open my gift. She's like, I'll get to it. I'm working with the girls. My dad's sitting next to me like, you must have killed it this year, buddy. I was like, you'll see. Finally, end of Christmas, she gets to my present. I've been talking about this present all Christmas. (laughs) Whole family gathers around. She opens the first pair, pulls them out, and just goes, oh, pajamas. (laughs) And immediately I think, fuck. (laughs) If that's her reaction to pajamas number one. I can't imagine it's going to build. My dad's drinking whiskey and eggnog and just goes, who the fuck buys someone pajamas? She opens the second pair, pulls them out and goes, oh, more pajamas. My dad looks at the five unwrapped gifts, quickly does the math and goes, oh, you're a fucking idiot. By pajamas number five, he's going flipper on me, just... Pajamas number six, the whole family's around her going, come on, pajamas. Come on, pajamas. Pajamas number seven, they are pissing themselves. Thinking, how could this get funnier? What they do not know is I've also bought my mom and sister's pajamas. You should have seen this man when my mom pulled her gift out from me and he was like, oh, it's motherfucking pajamas.
DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite comic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaborations with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw, real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y Sci-Fi Century Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla related information Peace Alright Swampborn Transitions Close out that last block as we get ready to head into our rock block. Yes. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh-huh. Got some Dia Slain by Hard Light Promotions. Neko's Pick of the Week. Seven Kingdoms as promised. Mm-hmm. Giant Walker. Very cool band. Varja, the request going out to Kevin Tarrant. And we're going to kick it all off with... A band called Post Generation by Bad Dog Promotions. This is called This Is My Day. It's my day. My day!
right, Seven Kingdoms. I really enjoyed Seven Kingdoms. That was really good. Good stuff. So now it is time for Neko's Pick of the Week. So what do you have for us? So um, this kind of follows my last pick from last week, which was, you know, kind of a very 90s. And um, sorry, I just needed to wet my whistle, as they say. Um, <laughs> to wet my whistle? I will later. No big deal. I don't need to tell everybody about it. <laughs> <laughs> Swiss code. Your mom's giving me a hand, hand job. Slowly. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, I um, what I usually do when I do my picks of the week is I just like, I, kind of do a brain dump, and I just start like, listing out lots of music and songs that have been important to me, and. So maybe about a month ago when I when I got home I, I sent a bunch of stuff to DJ Anubis and, and he went through it and I don't know if it was intentional or not for me, but this past like group of songs have been very nineties. I um I guess I'm feeling nostalgic for high school and my powder blue nineteen eighty nine Dodge Omni and listening to WHFS on the radio and, and feeling like I'm I'm young again. You know sometimes just imagining things it feels it feels good in your brain <laughs> i don't know but this particular song um this band my girlfriends and i absolutely adored this band we loved uh shirley manson we just really dug everything that they did and what's actually kind of interesting is this song I, I feel like it's been used in so many movies, um, commercials and stuff, and I, I don't think that they meant for it to be a commercial success, but it turned into a commercial success. Um, so the band I'm talking about is Garbage, and um, the song is... That's not her opinion, that's the band name. <laughs> If you, I mean, I know they haven't been doing a lot lately, but Garbage was kind of big in the late 90s, early 2000. And, um, it was, okay, so this album was released in 95. So this was, like, one of, the, this, for me, when I hear this song, it, it's totally garbage. I know you are, I'm only happy when it rains, but for me, it's Stupid Girl. And I like both those a lot. Hmm. But I don't like everything they've ever put out. Like those are like the really two main songs I listen to that I like. I just remember like um, back in the day, like when I say like a lot, I gotta stop that. <laughs> back in the day when um, just you know you're getting ready to go out or you're going over a girlfriend's house. I used to go over. Adrian's house a lot when we were still friends and she really liked garbage and we'd have garbage on and we'd be getting ready to go have a night on the town in my little shitty car and it was fun I I hold those memories dear because you know I haven't seen her since 2005 or talked to her since 2005 and it's kind of sad, 
but I accept it because it wasn't my choice. It was it was her choice. And um, I, I think it's even sadder that she hasn't talked to her own family since then either. But Stupid girl. Yeah, stupid girl. But she and I were very close. I was... She was a couple of years younger than me. I was in 12th grade and she was in 9th grade. And that's when I met her. So I was about 17. She was maybe 14. And um, we were in dance class together. And it was a lot of fun. We did dance together until... Alright, this is 1998. So 1998 till 2005. We danced together. We were friends. Um, everything all the time I mean when you met me it was it was more her than Sarah you you know that like because Sarah was her cousin and Sarah and Adrian still don't speak neither does Sarah's mother or Sarah's brother speak to Adrian or Adrian's mother and um, it still to this day kind of hurts me I should be more like adult about it but I I have kind of followed her on Instagram and she's followed me, you know, little tiny reaching out over the last couple of years because she did mean a lot to me even though it was only for, what, seven years that we were friends. Mm -hmm. She was very important to me and everything we did was soup, you know, stuff that, like, cause you didn't see everything and, um, I would pick her up for school and pick her up for dance and drive around in my little shitty Omni and be like super happy and she would be happy and we'd listen to music and just talk and <laughs> this is really funny but for whatever reason I always had like this gigantic, do you, I don't, you didn't know the Omni, I had this gigantic bottle of hairspray and it was the brand Rave, which I don't even know is in existence anymore. So I'd have always have this gigantic bottle of Rave hairspray in my cup holder. And she always used to tease me about it. And I'm like, oh yeah, I gotta fix my hair. You know, I just always need a reserve. And so this, this pick is really just kind of in memory of the good times I had with Adrian because this was one of her favorite bands. And, you know, we may never be friends again, and that's okay. But we'll always have memories. We will always have our memories. We'll always have our, our like, you know, youthful indiscretions or whatever. But it meant, I mean, for me to think about this, what, 17 years later, still, that we haven't been friends that long. I still miss her and I don't know if I should try to be her friend again or if you know maybe if she really wanted to be my friend since we both reconnected on Instagram she would have tried to be my friend again I don't know but garbage was a favorite band of both of ours and this song in particular stupid girl was a huge song for the two of us and we would kind of blare it in my car in her room just all the time and I really hope you guys enjoy garbage stupid girl
Attention, please. Be prepared for a musical transformation that you've never felt before. In a moment, we will bring you on a journey like there's no tomorrow. And we will break new ground. Hailing from the land below the wind. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. Ladies and gentlemen, DJ Neko's pick of the week. Pretend you're high Pretend you're bored 
What's up, everyone? This is Richie from Grave Huffer, and you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio. Rank it the fuck up. Right, we are back. We are back. Wow, we have had some like great music this episode. We have great music every episode. I know, and and I know we do. I, I... <laughs> She's just trying to be uplifting. No, 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 I'm not uplifting, but like the last like couple of songs, I'm like, I like that. I like that. I like that. And I feel guilty because I'm not involved in curating the music for the episode that's 100% DJ and well, That's because she's my caretaker, so... <laughs> I have I have extra time on my ass to do oh all this. Oh my god, I'm not his caretaker. I But she has a big part of the show, so before people say, well, she doesn't do much with the music, I might take care of that part, but she takes care of a lot of other things. She helped organize the connection to get the website done. She's taking more active role in descripting for the episode. Uh, oh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of research on trying to get us, like, in good search yeah. keywords and stuff. And we still have stuff that we're working on for our merchandise and yeah, everything so else. Yeah, so there's going to be a Metal Tavern store coming up. Um, I'm not 100% sure what the website will be, but there will be... We'll be putting a link on we our will, website we will take, itself, right? So you can go to metal metaltavern.com metaltavernradio.com and there will be a link that you can click to and it'll go directly to the store but we we're still working yeah. out the ins ins and outs of all of that um yeah it's still in the early stages of that but we'll get it there and we've got some good ideas and we're, we'll get it all sorted and then people can start getting some merch which is what we want because and, and you have to realize it's it's not going to be like just one merchandise it's going to be lots of different things mm -hmm. it's going to be different designs different um you can get cups you can get t-shirts you can get uh posters printed i just found this really cool place that has that ability to do multiple things not just for us it works out because most places if you want to order something like we still you still have a t here's a sticker for me right here we still have a ton of our our metal tavern stickers and they're beautiful and super good quality and this other place is going to be beautiful and super good quality but a lot of places when you are trying to do merchandise they they want you to order a minimum and they want you to pay up front the place that i found they are willing this is what makes it so great for for you listeners and for us they'll ship anywhere they'll ship to australia if you want and it makes it easier on us because if we had to hold all that merchandise and we had to ship something to australia it's a lot harder for us so they're taking it's a little burden coming off of us and a little bit uh they are they're allowing us to offer more things than just like the standard t-shirt you know um they have koozies they have wine glasses they have um coffee cups they have the big tumblers and if we didn't partner with this website which we're still working on but it's gonna happen soon if we didn't partner with this website we couldn't offer you anything 
like right. at all. We we would just be like, okay, we can print one T-shirt and mail it out ourselves. But this website, they have so many things that can. I mean, options. Uh, th- yeah, options. That's the way to put it, babe. You're right. So okay, so yeah, be looking for that. We'll we'll definitely get that work done, and you guys can go to town buying all the merch because we want money. We want your money. No, actually, we just you, want you your support, like you always give us, and we know. You kind of been in the as fans of the show. You kind of want stuff like we do that for some of the other people that we. I know I have so many T-shirts, and you know who I need to purchase a T-shirt from Iraq because he's got some cute T-shirts that I keep telling him I'm going to buy, and I haven't bought yet. I'm sorry, Iraq. But we're going to get into. We we finally finished up a couple weeks ago. We actually just now getting around to doing the review for this is Obi Wan. Uh, for Disney Plus, the series. And uh, it's been a pretty popular series. Uh, look, th- out of the three now that have come out for Star Wars, you know, The Mandalorian, The Book of Boba Fett, and now this, uh, if I had to rank them, I think The Mandalorian is still one. Uh, this would be two, and then Book of Boba Fett would be three. I think this is one for me, and um, The Mandalorian, two, and Boba Fett 3. Boba Fett was the biggest disappointment. I, I hate to say that, and I'm sorry for all you... star. I mean, I've been a Star Wars fan since I was out of the womb. There's a picture of me at three years old wearing a Return of the Jedi t-shirt. Like, I, I love Star Wars, so the whole idea of a Boba Fett series, and maybe I'll watch it again, but I seriously cannot remember one thing from that series. That's how unforgettable it was. Whereas this series, the Obi-Wan series, I don't know, maybe I just enjoyed the actors more cuz I'm a big Oh, and that's what well, Yeah, I'm a big Ewan McGregor fan he, number he, 1. Yeah, there's a lot of nostalgia with this. I mean, there's nostalgia with all of them in a way cuz Mandalorian, even though the Mandalorian's like a new character, you have the Baby Yoda, which is a reference, of course. Oh, to everybody Yoda. loves Baby Yoda. Um, of course, Book of Boba Fett. We wanted, always wanted the Boba Fett solo film. I know. Uh, so it, it's still a bit of work, but towards the end of Boba Fett, the series, they brought in the Mandalorian to be a part of that. That's when the series picked up. So they got a lot of work to do with that one. Uh, now, there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, Obi-Wan's like the best shit ever. Those fights at the end are like epic. And I'm like, is it really like... And I don't want to diss Obi-Wan because I do like it. Oh, let me tell you. The most epic fight was Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and Darth, Darth Maul. Maul. Yeah. And that was... I, I that yep. was, There's nothing ever going to beat that. Nothing, nothing is ever going to beat that fight. And it's not the best movie. But that fight was spectacular. Yeah. And it's not to take anything away from the Vader Obi Wan fight in the series. It's in, just uh, that and, and or the Vader Obi Wan fight in Star Wars. The well, first that was Star like, Wars. That was like one but, <laughs> much later Vader just pretty much But Obi Wan wanted to die. Right. That right. Purpose. To take his next step. And this is really like I, I was reading an article about that and about the Obi-Wan series and um, kind of how they tied it together and, you know, because Obi-Wan happened, the Obi-Wan series happens before Star Wars. Right. And they were saying 
in that scene in Star Wars where Obi-Wan and Darth Vader fight and then Obi-Wan dies, the last thing that he actually sees is Luke and Leia reunited. So I think who you know whoever's writing these scripts for Obi-Wan Kenobi the the show is it has to be a fan of Star Wars because they're taking that into consideration as well because when you saw Star Wars back in the 70s and early 80s or whenever you saw Star Wars you're really kind of that's all you get that's all you got and then in the late 90s early 2000s when you got the new Star Wars prequel movies that's all you got but then there's still these gaps in time and that's why Obi-Wan is kind of like filling in you know after episode three before episode four and I I really kind of felt I don't know I mean, emotional because when that that I forgot who the author was of this article said like you know in episode four, the last thing that Obi-Wan saw was Le Luke and Leia getting together. It was, it was really, like, heartfelt. Well, we, we felt that a lot throughout this series because, as you said, like, there's an article I'm going to go through with you and we're going to agree okay. or disagree, but the first thing is first. Uh, the plot synopsis of Obi-Wan Kenobi is simply this. Uh, following Revenge of the Sith, uh, after Obi-Wan is defeated, um, Vader for the first time, a young Vader. Uh, he goes into seclusion, of course. He split up the two kids. Uh, Princess Leia, who's played by Vivian Lara Blair, the young girl. Uh, Neko and I agree, she's a perfect uh, representation she of looks Leia. Like baby Attitude, Gary yeah, it's just it's so uncanny. Uh, and she did a really, really good job with that. Um, so Obi-Wan is in seclusion, and I think he is on Tatooine. I think it's where he's yes, working. He's just yes. in a different part of it. Mm -hmm. And his goal really here is he's kind of like overlooking Luke, even though he's not really that involved with him. He's watching him and the uncle and everything else. Uh, but he's not used his power, so he doesn't want to tip off uh, these other uh, Vader and other uh, beings. I forget what they call it. It's like a trifecta of... Um, what the fuck are they? Mercenaries? Yes, thank you. Who are de out searching for Jedi. They're trying to rid them of the rest of them. Like, so after Vader kills, the you know, destroys the Jedi Temple and everything, uh, they are now out, as the Empire is out there, trying to eradicate all the Jedi in, in, in total. But obviously there's one particular Inquisitor we'll get to who has her heart set on finding Obi-Wan. So Obi-Wan not using his powers, he really kind of forgets how to do it like it's almost like it just he's been suppressing it for so right. long like he did not want he didn't want because the force is around it, it, it's nature it's everywhere so he was really trying not to engage in the force because if you do engage then anyone else who engages in the force can find you so he was trying to just be Ben yeah and you know he uh this is the great thing about McGregor is that he's portraying a character who's dealing with guilt uh, for not being wrong about Anakin, but but killing his best friend. 
that plus you know everything that went on with the Jedi Temple and the, the betrayal basically you know he's dealing with all this he thinks Vader's dead at this point early on uh, it isn't until two or three episodes in when he is informed that Vader is quite alive and you know he has like this real fear on his face like you know it's like oh shit you know so obviously throughout this he's got you know Luke really doesn't become a focal point because Leia has become this other focal point where she's actually being kidnapped and is sort of like um, being used as a pawn to try to draw out Obi-Wan which it works because they knew that Obi-Wan was um, close to her adoptive parents. Right. So, uh, the whole series deals with it. And, of course, there's some moments where Obi-Wan is facing Vader. And, of course, the finale where they actually fight again. Uh, which is great about seeing Hayden Christian come back. Because uh, he gets to reprise the role. But the thing about Vader in this series is that, unlike the movies that we'd always seen him in this is a very young and angry vader so he's still feeling the effects of his and he's still like really padme dying and you know not knowing about the kids part but you know he's just angry about everything so you're seeing what he's just like destroying everybody <laughs> he's, he's working on the dark side so there's this article uh, on looper.com it's called the six best and six worst things about obi-wan kenobi so we're gonna go through okay now, they alternate between best and worst, so we'll start with the first best, which is Ellen McGregor. That is the best thing about... Like, we agree he is the best thing about the series because he played it really well in the, the prequel movies, and he did a good job in this series here, so and he did a good job of con uh, conveying the feelings and the... Uh, what was the word I'm looking for? The... Uh, the emotions that it's that he's dealing with, the toll that has been on like him, the guilt and yeah. the anger and the the fear. Right. So he does a very good job throughout the series. So the first worst is too much filler. There wasn't a lot of filler, I didn't think, because you know how I am about filler. There were a couple of episodes that I said I can't believe how short they were. So what filler are they talking about? So in their description, they say, Obi-Wan Kenobi is only six episodes long, and they all fall under an hour. Yet the show spends a big chunk of time on storylines that feel inescapably like filler. This is most egregious in episode four, which consists almost entirely of Tala, Idura uh, Varma, and Obi-Wan's mission to rescue Leia from the Fortress Inquisitoress. On paper, it's a fun idea for an episode. The base aquatic location makes for a cool escape sequence as the tunnels flood, and there's definite appeal in showing a little of the Inquisitors day-to-day. -day. So I guess they feel like some of those side things, even though I think they have to play a part, you have to have them in there because otherwise it won't make sense. But we get to another point later with that. So the problem is that everything that happens in Episode 4 is regurgitation. Obi-Wan rescues Leia, which he already did in Episode 2. He gets surprise help from some Jedi sympathizers, uh, just like in Episode 3. So they kind of feel like they're kind of like just going around and around with some of the storyline. Uh, this kind of pacing issue pops up on a couple of other occasions in Obi-Wan Kenobi. It feels at times like the writers were scared of the audience getting bored. Uh, I don't think that would happen because of the nostalgia aspect of this series itself. If anything, the Mandalorian showed that people were interested in this Star Wars universe. Mm -hmm. Okay, back to the best. 
Moses Ingram. This is the woman who plays Sister Reva, third Sister Reva. Uh, so they definitely liked her. And I, I thought she did pretty I well. I thought she did great, but she was getting a lot of hate so much on um, Twitter that yeah. um, Ewan McGregor actually took to his Twitter mm -hmm. and basically said, if you are a hater of, of Moses Ingram and you're complaining about her because of her race, then you're not a true Star Wars fan. And I, I, I don't even know how her race got brought into anything because in Star Wars everybody is from different planets you're all aliens so why would her being african-american be an issue like well one and i thought she was okay no i did too. i did too i thought she was a badass the, right the interesting thing about it is you had three the trio of inquisitors mm -hmm. and she was probably the one that was the most interesting of all three of them like, the other two guys had interesting looks. Now, Reva is just your typical black woman, but she, as they say here, her icy persona and violent tendencies harken back to uh, Asajj Ventress in the Clone Wars. I don't remember which character that was, but um, her, her, she had, uh, almost like Maul, she had a, a duel. Um, mm -hmm. or she could take one end off and not do two. She can do either a sword. And it had, like, a... The spikes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, her look and her fighting style was good. Um, and the thing that people, you know, they jumped on her ass pretty early. But I think that if you're somebody who was doubting her character early, even if it wasn't about race, if you were doubting her character, stick with it because there's a twist to her that no one knew about and we didn't even know about. And I thought that was interesting coming down the line, uh, which was cool. But then again, you know. Vader's there, and he knows some certain things. So because he knows, he he's Vader. Those are some cool moments. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so they liked her, and now uh, worst. This is coming back a little bit to our um, the <laughs> part where like there's filler. So they they have worse here, sloppy writing. I think a lot of people I've heard that critique this series have said the writing isn't that strong. So, uh, that could be partly because of the whole uh, filler stuff that they are, the regurgitation throughout the series. But everything in Star Wars is a regurgitation. Like... Force Awakens. <coughs> right? I mean... It's almost a duplicate of uh, A New Hope. So, let's just look at everything that has happened since the 70s. And, um... I know a lot of uber i'm a fan but i'm not an uber fan and a lot of uber fans have read like the paperbacks they've read the comic books they've seen a lot of people's you know off-screen stories and i i think that's why they they kind of throw that out there like oh it's 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 poor writing it's weak writing um i didn't really think it was that week because you I'm gonna be blunt if it if I don't think something is interesting I will fall asleep DJ Anubis has seen it in person Lord of the Rings Harry Potter uh, the end of the Batman I I cannot I, I don't know if it's just me or whatever but I could be completely it could be 11 o'clock in the morning and I'm watching something and I don't if I don't think it's great 
I will fall asleep. I watched all of this completely awake and enjoyed all of this. I think sometimes people kind of say it's weak writing because they're kind of going the kid angle, maybe. But well, here's what, what would you do? Well, this is what they say. Um, and this is just part of it. Why does Bail Organist and Obi-Wan a physical transmission revealing Anakin's children and their locations? How does Reaver Survivor fight with Vader and get to Tatooine so quickly? And above all... But because he purposely didn't kill her, he said that to her. He's like, what is more painful than dying? So he did not want to kill her. Well, I, yeah, I think what I think is like he did stab her with he the saber. He stabbed her, so. but he said that to her. He's like, what is more painful than dying? He didn't want to kill her. He wanted her to be wounded and feel guilty that she could not take, you know, her plan to fruition. Right, and I guess the other thing is, too, people say, well, she was impaled with a saber, and I'm like, well, you have to understand, sabers also uh, heat. So even when, like, Luke lost his hand, it probably automatically sealed up. Yeah, because, cauterized yeah, it. Exactly. And also, it also depends on what, like, it was up by her ribs. Right. Like, there's shit there, but it could have missed every, um, you know, main organ, main yeah. artery or whatever. And I still, I remember that quote from Vader basically saying, you know, this will be more painful this way. Because that's what Vader wanted. He wanted her to witness her failure and well speaking of vader he's another one of the best mm -hmm. uh of the series and as we mentioned hayden christian coming back i'm so happy he i've actually back. seen a couple of uh interviews with him he did one with fallon not too long ago really fun uh i'm really glad to see that guy with a smile on his face because he took a lot of shit when he shouldn't have back in the day uh, they say, do you like Darth Vader? Of course you do. At this point, he's probably the most unifying part of the entire Star Wars franchise. Which is true. Like, I've even heard people say, who's the greatest villain of all time? Guess who pops up? Darth Vader. And the coolest thing about this, too, for those that have not watched it yet, is the voice is again being done by James Earl Jones. So it's not just that Christensen's portraying the body of Darth Vader, but the voice is also still James Earl Jones from back in the day as well. So I love that. Staying consistent. Uh, uh, the combo of James Earl Jones and Hayden Christensen works really well here and it allows for an oscillation between the Vader persona and Anakin himself. Uh, the scene in episode 6 where Obi-Wan slashes through Vader's helmet and the two actors' voices muddle together. Oh, I know. That was really, really, really good. It's particularly effective, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so really... Uh, like we said, uh, Vader in this series is still a very young Vader, so whereas he's a little more controlled when you watch the New Hope and the movies that fall like Empire, he's like more experienced and a vet. He's learned to control his anger a little bit more uh, to the point where he knows what he's doing this force. Whereas now, he's just almost uncontrollable. Like he's he's everyone fears him for reasons, obviously. Uh, which is funny because I, I think back to <coughs> what was it was it a new hope where um, one of the generals was saying to Vader you're uh, you're outdated or something and you're you don't scare me with your sorcery and he ends up yeah, choking yeah, a dude yeah. 
So I, I think that's a very cool... Like, you don't think about initially watching the series, but when I think about it now, at this point in Vader's life, being the right-hand man to the Emperor, he's so out of control in terms of anger that, like, nobody wants to cross this guy. Nobody. And, uh... But as time goes on, and the Force, you know, there's not much Jedi left, because we know that Luke ends up becoming one, but there's just not much of anything. Even Vader himself is sort of like a dying breed, because he's the dark side, but it's just him and the Emperor. There's really no other ones. So when those guys uh, in his staff, like the generals, start talking shit, they have no idea about the old school ways of the Force, so Vader has to teach him a lesson. It's like, oh, really? A bunch of Force choking. Right. Uh, whereas this one, you know, Vader's still using the Force, but everyone's still kind of aware about Jedi's and the Force and everything else. That, you know what? You just made a very astute observation because I've heard other people kind of criticize this um, series because they felt like it was too over the top, like with the Force, like the Force choking, the Force throwing and stuff. And yes. We, we love seeing stuff like that. We love seeing the, the Force being used. We love seeing people throwing rocks with the Force. We, but what you just said makes so much sense when you rewind and think of... So this is Vader, you know, maybe nine, nine years after what happened to him. When you look at um, the first Star Wars, that is... 19 years after what happened to him so this series you are getting him being like I'm after Obi-Wan fuck Obi-Wan and then they had that big fight and that might have been what kind of put him back in perspective when you look at the original Star Wars and you look at the kind of fighting that he did he and the the force choking and the use of the force it it was more subdued mainly I find your lack of faith disturbing exactly he he kept it a little bit more under the radar because Mm -hmm. he knew what he could do and he was angry and clearly he knew what was was happening out there but he was trying to be this is the first star wars what i'm speaking of he was trying to be um more strategic right but right now in the obi-wan series he's more raw and emotional right so he's actually still very much looking for obi-wan like it's because he's blaming obi-wan for the death of padme right like what the fuck is going on and but again with the the atmosphere of it all is that people have to understand is without the jedi you don't have the sith lords like that's the jedis are actually the key to what happens so basically every jedi that ever was unless it was someone who was personally trained by the emperor uh, well, even though Vader was too, but one thing that the Emperor has always said is that you know you are a Jedi, but there are other parts of the Force that would like embolden or make you stronger, mm-hmm. and so that's sort of where the trap becomes. But then, like when the Emperor says, "I want you to go to the Jedi Temple and destroy and kill all the Jedi," like 
the emperor's just kind of like cutting out half of the line like he's like I only want you and me to be Jedi's or whatever you want to call them Sith Lords and therefore I want you to kill out the rest but so because he was like oh the dark side can save Padme from right, dying right and that's all that you know um what's his face not what was his name Anakin who you talking about Vader? Yeah. Anakin. Thank you. That's all that Anakin in that movie cared about mm -hmm. because he was so easily um, persuaded because he was so concerned about the love of his life. And well, he, because of what happened to his mom, he couldn't save her, so that played a part exactly. in so, And the Emperor knew that. Like The Emperor knew what his weaknesses were and used that against him. So he's he's using that and, and, and saying, listen... The dark side can save people from dying, and that might, you know, you might want to use that if you don't want to see Padme die. So, I don't know. What's the next? So, the next worst one is Trapped by the Past. So, they say, There was once a time when the two decades between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope were largely unexplored. These days, though, that's no longer the case. Between... Uh, series like uh, Rogue or movies like Rogue One and Solo, as well as Obi Wan Kenobi, they try to squeeze in yet another arc into that time frame, and it frankly bumps its head on the ceiling. Simply put, it's hard to give stakes to a story when the main characters' fates are all known. Okay, but we did that with uh, Black Widow. We know exactly what happens, and we still watch it. So I don't think that really is a big issue for me there. Uh, in fact, a lot of people find genuine curiosity about what happens between then and then because really, if I don't know about you, but when I first watched Star Wars at age seven in the theaters, the whole talk about Obi-Wan, I'm like, well, who the fuck is he? Yeah, okay, he's some old dude. Why is he so special? Yeah. Right, so I have no backstory at that point about Obi-Wan. When the prequels came out, they gave you all the backstory, and now we have kind of like the middle of what's going on. And this is on. even like, because that's why... Um you you remember the Help Me Obi Wan Kenobi? You're my only hope. Yeah, you know which now makes fits sense. well with Leia because at first you don't even know how she fucking knows Ben Kenobi. So there's a lot in there that this is working for, and so uh, I don't agree with them on that. I think that you have to kind of have some of that filler if you're going to make anything interesting. Like they tried to expand on Star Wars by doing the new trilogy and it didn't really turn out well. Some people like them, most people don't. I mean, I know it's I know they're corny, but I still kind of like them. I, I don't really like them per se. I mean, obviously I think... I like them more than the sequels. The ones that they did with uh, Carrie Fisher and um, Mark Hamill. You, the ones that they did recently, like I like episodes one, two, and three more than I like episodes seven, eight, nine. That's what I was talking about. The last three are the ones that are really a problem for me. So you have basically New Hope through. Uh, so episodes four, five, and six are the OG. Right. Episodes one, two, and three prequels. are the prequels, and I know a lot of people don't like them. No, I like those. I did too. I actually appreciated the first two more now. Revenge of the Sith was my favorite of the three, but 
over time, the first two have become, you know, look, everyone hates that fucking mouthy little thing, but... Charger? Yeah, like, but he's really kind of like, he's pretty much done after the first movie, so you're good. I mean, Attack of the Clones is pretty cool. Uh, there's some really good fights in there. Uh, I thought... There's uh, good fights in, in, well, in yeah, three. Chris, Christopher, Christopher Lee is Dooku. That was fucking great. So I, I really did like the prequels, but... Seven, eight, nine—the ones that they did recently. Right, and those are the ones I have problems with. So those. I mean, Force Awakens gets somewhat of a pass for me because Solo's in there, but you know, again. I think it's it, the only one I actually watched the whole way through, because I I kind of liked it. Well, yeah, the only thing I just like I said reminds me too much of a New Hope, the way that it was written. Mm -hmm. You know, they were playing it safe, and then they got crazy with the other two, and it's like. Mm. Uh, okay, so back to the best. Um, okay. A darker Star Wars story. So that makes sense. I and mean, it does make sense because this is where Anakin is really, like, balls deep in the dark side. Think about it. Uh-oh. Well, I saw your face. Ooh. Yeah, I'm trying to skip through this a little bit because we got to get moving. But uh, worse is lack of style. No. Nah. Next. Best fan service, yes. Yes. Got Christian back. Uh, I, I really, you were telling me about a video you watched. Um, somebody must have recorded it while they were on the set, and Hayden came in, and he was getting ready for makeup and costume, and they were, like, cheering for him. And I think that just proves that they want him to be... Darth Vader like they they being like the world is accepting that he is he is Darth Vader and you know yeah I mean look I, I understand when the prequels came out there's this sense of you have to understand Hayden really wasn't like a seasoned uh, actor when he did th that first prequels and so there's some rough edges there and so obviously some of his Emotion probably wasn't the way that most people were hoping it would be. So I kind of get that. But it, to me, it was never like, you don't need to shit on a guy who really, he just wanted to do an, an, a role. He wasn't trying to, like, piss people off. So it's like, the amount of hate that he got drove him out of the industry. Like, he just stopped like, acting. Right. I still, the part at the end of um, episode three, when, you know, Obi-Wan and and Anakin are fighting, and, you know, he's like... I By then, he was pretty fucking good. Mm -hmm. That, like, the character had transformed a lot at that point. So, uh, yeah, by the time Sith came out, I was like, he's pretty fucking good in this. Like, I feel it between him and uh, Ellen McGregor. That, that whole fight, and, and, and... <laughs> Obi-Wan is, like, you know, beating the shit out of Anakin, and he's like, you were the chosen one! You were, like, a brother to me! And he was just, like hurt and then you see Anakin kind of realizing like yeah I was like a brother to you but because he had been turned and he was so upset because he kept having bad dreams about Padme dying that was like what which probably could have been fed from the Emperor mm -hmm. if he has that kind of power so and what was really interesting too is that this this series he just kept like feeding his power 
like he was feeding power off of everybody and you know like we were talking about the third sister she just wanted to get close to Vader and we're not going to give you any spoilers but there's a reason she wanted to get close to Vader um it's it's just in I thought that and that the throwback to what happened in the first three kind of it was like a good filler they they say there's too much filler but that was like a good kind of like um I don't know what the word is but like it it, it really kind of gave you the information you needed to understand like his his character, his emotions. Uh, I'm gonna get to one more of the worst, okay. and then we're gonna. But this one, I think you and I are gonna really disagree. Oh, no. So worst, Leia is not isn't a real character. So I'm gonna read through it. Uh, I'm gonna break down my my opinion on it. Okay. Uh, for as good as Vivian LeBlair is as Leia Organa, the character suffers from writing that treats her more like an Easter egg than a person. She's only nine, yet she carries herself with the confidence and discernment of a season general. Obviously, Leia is an impressive person in Star Wars universe and shows writers clearly want to treat both her and Carrie Fisher's legacy with respect. But wouldn't it be more respectful to make young Leia a real character? Even when she's being interrogated in the Imperial prison, Leia never breaks. A nine-year-old girl who believes that her only friend in the galaxy is dead is in a prison literally designed to break Jedi. It would be interesting if Leia broke at times. It would give Obi-Wan a chance to console her and step up as the adult in the room. But no, she never breaks and she never gets that opportunity. This is bullshit. This wouldn't matter so much if Leia weren't such a massive part of the story. Most of Obi-Wan's scenes are related to her in some way. And a lot of the dialogue is spoken directly to her. But she doesn't have a real arc. It often feels awkward when it should be feel cute. I agree with you. It's bullshit because... You learn very fast with uh, A New Hope that Leia is a no-bullshitter. Very strong woman. Even when uh, Alderaan was blown to bits, she was upset, but she wasn't, like, breaking down like a weepy woman. Uh, in fact, it just made her more angry. So watching Blair's portrayal of Leia makes sense. And it's weird because almost, again, it almost we haven't had a chance to see Luke yet as a kid, but... Her playing Leia matches up with Leia with Carrie Fisher. And Leia here is showing again she's a rebel. I'm saying this is bullshit because remember in the series where she got upset with Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. And ran. And ran. So their reasons of her saying like, oh no, she's just like filler. No. She was not sure if she could trust him, and she followed her instincts. It wasn't like it. Wa it wasn't like it was. Sh she was Obi Wan's lapdog or whatever. She. It was. It was when they were on that weird planet with all the, and they they didn't think they would be able to get off. Right. And um. She saw Obi-Wan fighting and she got I mean she got scared and and didn't Yeah, believe. she showed fear when she needed to. Uh 
but I think that again, like I just I think back to Fisher when she was playing Leia that she was just an old bullshitter when they when Luke first comes in in this trooper suit, she's just kind of like, well, who are you? You know, you're she, awful short to be a stormtrooper, right? So uh, this matches up to me perfectly. Like uh, she's rebellious, and unlike Luke, who whether she's rebellious because she grew up kind of spoiled a little bit because of the, who she's with, might have been a part of that. But they, her parents, step parents, taught her that she needed to be uh, a strong because she was going to be the next in line. Yeah, she was next in line to take over for, for her dad. Right. So, on the other end of the spectrum, Luke is basically a laborer with his uncle on a farm, and so he doesn't have much experience with like leadership and all this other stuff he's still a dreamer and which happens with mark hamill when we finally see him uh, you know in his movies and that shows like both sides are great for rebellion you've got leia who has been born and bred into this in entire like leadership movement and luke who he has no idea what's going on out in the galaxy but he's like I don't agree with this, so I'm going to make it better. And then, as we see in the first Star Wars, when the one person, Obi-Wan, that he follows, you know, dies, he's like, God damn it, son of a bitch, I'm, I'm in, I'm in! And he, you know, Luke, he went on this journey with, you know, his family were, was killed, and he had nothing left. So all he wanted to do was just, you know, make things better. And, and it was, it, like you said, like a dreamer. Like, he... Yeah, because he always all wanted he had to be a his, Jedi. Yeah, all he had was his ideology. And he and Obi-Wan, you know, old, crazy but, old Ben. But you can see, like, with him, there was hesitancy all the time. Like, he was... It took him longer to catch on to stuff. Leia, who even though she didn't know she had the Force until later, uh, she didn't think it was the Force. She thought it was just like her, intuition, right? And, and she's but she's always been a strong character, like for everybody. Uh, and so, like, I think we all as a kid, Princess Leia was the strong character. She was out of the out of the kids. She was probably it's, the strongest she's one. Choked Jabba the Hutt. I mean, like, right. <laughs> so I mean, like, as a, do I expect her as a kid to be rebellious like that and push back? Yeah, I do. There are some snotty fucking kids out there. But the difference is she isn't snotty in so much a bad way. She just doesn't trust the world. She doesn't... She, clearly when she ran from Obi-Wan, she's like she's, why are they looking for you? Because she has no idea who this guy is. And she was acting like what a kid would be. She was scared. So that's why she's like fuck you, you're trying to kidnap me too because I just got kidnapped, so right. what do you want with me? Yeah, if there's any kind of... I, I, I have to understand how Vader's looking or trying to find him because, like... Vader doesn't know right, at this point. He doesn't know. But you remember they mentioned that somebody, uh, the mother of Leia, had sent a transmission to Obi-Wan about the kids. Probably didn't name by name, but... But she sent that to the third sister. Right. So my only thing is, like, you know, one thing Vader was always really good at is uh, sensing the Force. So 
either Leia just had never known about it, so it was never coming out, and that's why he couldn't pick up on it. Um, that might be it, but the same thing with Luke, too. I mean, they didn't... That's why they split them up and hit them. It wasn't until Luke's trying to destroy the Death Star that, you know, Vader's like, yeah, the Force is strong with this one. You know, so... Uh, yeah, so I... We highly recommend this series, okay? Yeah, we're, we're big if, Star Wars nerd, nerds if, if you didn't get that. Right. <laughs> Alright, let's get back into our music. Uh, this block, we have some brand new stuff from Dizma. As I mentioned earlier, Werewolves, fucking great album. And a new phobia from Metal Message. But here's some Dizma with Earthendom.
This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate it. your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. Holy shit. I'm feeling a real lack of love here. Get in there! Well, 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 what do we have here, fellas? I found him snooping around the cargo. If there's anything I can do to make your trip more comfortable, you come to me, okay? Sit there, go help him! Are you kidding me? Those guys are dangerous! No shit! You've got to do something! I find you live longer if you don't! Maybe again? We got a contract. 20 hours out and back. You beat my engine man to death, it's gonna take a hell of a lot longer. Which is okay by me, since overtime will run you double rate. He was nosing around in my cargo. Okay, so he's nosy. The contract was no questions asked. No, fellas. I vote we kick this little piece of shit overboard. Well, I vote we kill him. I vote we kill him, then we throw him overboard. Well, we don't vote here. See, it's not a democracy. Okay, I'll say it one more time for the hearing impaired. Be messy. Bravo. Everybody okay? Anybody gonna shoot anybody? Anybody gonna shoot anybody? All right. So, in 1997, a movie about a stricken ocean liner set the boss office alight. Titanic, James Cameron's historical fiction starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, romped the Oscar glory and monumental box office, changing the face of cinema forever. 
The following year, another imperiled ocean liner movie emerged, and it was better. It incorporated many elements that were sorely lacking at Titanic, namely sea monsters and lots of guns. And that movie was Deep Rising. I cannot remember seeing Deep Rising, and I think it was three days ago. We're just chilling, and he pops it into the DVD player, and this is our retro DVD vault, and I was like, he he played the trailer for me, and I'm like, I, I seriously don't even remember this movie at all. Not even a little bit. So, it was kind of fun, because this was my first time watching it. Yeah, uh, I remember seeing the trailers for it, you know, the year it came out, and, uh, Obviously, I'm really into the monster movies and stuff, so I can't remember if Chris went with me at the time or not, but uh, I just remember coming out of it just really enjoying it. Like, you never knew what you were going to get with these type of movies, and I'm not, like, the largest Treat Williams fans, even though he's done a lot of great movies like Dead Heat and stuff with Joe Piscopo and, of course, this. Uh, he's, he's has a, He has a knack for doing action and comedy, so he's really good at both. And you get a lot of that in this one here. Uh, the movie also has uh, Wes Studi, who plays Hanover. Um, Famke Jansen, who is a very familiar name within Hollywood. Uh, she's been in a lot of, especially back then, a lot of horror, like uh, Fact the Faculty, um, James Bonds, one of the James Bonds. I can't remember, The World is Never End or something. I figure with uh, Brosnan, she had done one of those with them. Um... The scene there was with uh, a guy named Joey, who is the mechanic for the boat. So, Treat Williams, uh, John Finnegan, is a, basically a boat for hire, and he's carrying these mercenaries across the ocean in the middle of the night with stormy weather, uh, not knowing really where the destination is. And then, of course, and it was funny because, like I said, this I said to you, I'm like a boat that small and that kind of weather is not gonna do well. Right, and uh, so, you know, again, Joey is being nosy and finds out they've got, like, this, you know, missiles that, and bombs that they can launch uh, to sink something or whatever. Uh, they have no idea at this point what's really going on. They just know that they're carrying mercenaries to go pull a job. But, the, you know, Finnegan's like, you pay us, we don't, we don't ask questions. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those things. Uh, so what they find out is... They're all heading to an uh, ocean liner called the Argonautica that's now adrift out in the middle of the ocean. Like, And at the beginning, you see this cruise liner. It's unbelievably rich. Mm -hmm. Like, they're gambling. It, it's luxury suites. And you're kind of like, holy shit. Um... I I kind of realized that something was going to happen to the ocean liner because of like the the story but I I was cuz it said somewhere like somewhere in the South China Sea right and I'm like eh. Yeah, I remember uh, now that I think about it, I remember knowing about the film because at the time I was still buying Fangoria magazines. Mm -hmm. And, of course, they had, you know, some of the special effects scenes from the movie, which one was the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So we'll get to that. Uh, but, yeah, Deep Rising came out in the late 90s when there was, like, this rise of other monster movies. So you had stuff like the Relic 
Mimic, uh, Lake Placid, Anaconda. So there's all these like... The Mummy. Yeah, just you know, a bunch of these monster movies that came out in the late '90s. So Deep Rising was just another part of that, and uh, it's a really a lot of fun. The guys and the mercenaries, you know, the, the the ocean liner ends up like stalling, like the power goes out. The and they, it happens. But we on know it's sabotage. Yeah, we know it's sabotage. Um. We don't know exactly who's involved yet, but we do know someone was fucking. Yeah, with the they system. see they see like somebody on a computer like doing the whole like. Yeah, switching out the disc and all this stuff, and uh, but then what ends up happening is the boat, uh, the liner is like struck by something large, like very large, and all of a sudden uh, passengers. Well, the, are... the the scary thing was like, uh oh, Aunt Jenna's calling. I have to call her back later. Um, the scary thing was they still had their, um, I guess their radar. Yeah, sonar, yeah. Yeah, so he's looking, he's like, okay, it's a thousand feet away. Yeah, they thought it was like 900 a, feet away. A, a, a school of fish or something, but he's like, no, it's coming pretty fast at us. Um, so before that happens, there's a, a woman on there who's played by Famke Jansen, uh, Trillian St. James, she's like a local, well not really local, but just a uh, a thief. So she's there basically to rip off these people, but she's taking a card from one of the uh, seamen to go and get into this vault. And uh, she gets caught and they lock her up in the little local, local uh, brig freezer they have there for all the food. But she promptly like starts eating while she's in there. <laughs> so she's like taking it pretty good the way she is. She was really funny, like, mm -hmm. and not in, like, a slapstick funny kind of way, but more in, a, in an ironic kind of funny way. So, they were like, oh. Sarcastic. Yeah, sarcastic. Like, excuse me, ma'am, we've heard about you. And as they're pushing her, they so they said, do you have a brig? And they're like, it's not complete yet. So then they put her in the fucking... Um, Sort of like Seagal and yeah, the, so they put her in the freezer, and then she's like, "Okay, no big deal," and she steals their fucking wallets. Yeah, like that's just what she does. Yeah, so she's very good. Like even though she's being insulted by the guy who's running the show, that's his boat. She's like, "Yeah, well, you're an idiot." So she got the wallet and everything else. Um, so she's in the freezer, and then when the boat gets hit by whatever it is, uh people the the passengers start running and screaming because they can hear shit like happening within the ship so one chick you know Neko's like why is she going in the restroom <laughs> so the chick goes in and proceeds to be uh sucked in through the toilet and like i just want to let anyone know if you're ever on a vessel and there there's like something going down you need to go to the top deck go to the top deck. I don't think even mariners realize how important this information is because we've seen a lot of maritime disasters and stuff, but I say this to you, anyone who's going on a cruise liner or whatever, if you hit something, if whatever happens, don't just listen to the captain or whoever is in charge. You grab your life vest and you go to the very top deck. And I'm only saying this because 
in my industry, um, in the last two years, we've had vessels who have either unfortunately burned or it, they, they hit a hurricane or something like terrible. And the people who survived, I'm, I'm, I'm not playing, the people who survived went to the top deck with their life vest because the life rafts and the, the life boats are able to, they're on like some kind of hypostatic release. So even if the, the life rafts and the lifeboats are not open at the time, when they hit the water, you can get to them. So go as far up in whatever vessel you are in, take your life jacket and then get to and find your exit buddy find your exit buddy and get to whatever you can get to as close as possible either a lifeboat or a life raft lifeboat would be better because they're like more sturdy life rafts are inflatable but i i just don't think a lot of people hear that information and even mariners don't hear that information and i i always kind of stress this to dj anubis i'm like I know what to do when shit goes down. If if we fucking hit an iceberg, or except what, for in this case, because we have some crazy shit. Yeah, happening. well, this. But I, 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 it blows my mind that seasoned mariners, like people who are on these ships, and they they don't make it. It's because when. Um, for us as mariners they tell you okay if you hear the alarm you're supposed to go to this part of the ship and my part of the ship is not like on deck so I think a lot of people follow that instinct and they're like okay the alarm went off I need to go where I'm supposed to go for emergency you know bells I if there is an emergency right okay i will not go to that spot yeah so go up <laughs> yeah right go up go up go up as high as possible so on rotten tomatoes this movie has like a 29 percent uh score and indb has like a six out of ten however amazon users rated around 77 percent while google has a 91 percent so why is it so well varied some of it's this because this has become almost like a cult classic over the years, because um, I think even back then people weren't really giving it much thought. Um, but to kind of get back to the story, the passengers on the boat or the liner are running from something. They don't know exactly what it is. Uh, once Finnegan and the mercenaries arrive, they plan on taking hostage and, of course, robbing these people for whatever valuables they have but they discovered there's like no one on board like it seems like a ghost ship and they were so like concerned about the fucking vault yeah like, i'm like what is in the they never said what is in the vault yeah. like yeah they never said what they were trying to steal um but there is a connection there between the leader of the mercenaries and the guy that sabotaged the ship so uh they end up getting to the vault and there's the guy who owns the ship, uh, the one that we talked about from the beginning, mm -hmm. he's locked in there with his first mate, 
the captain as well as a couple of other rich people. And the owner right. of the ship. So when one of the mercenaries opens the sail or the vault, he gets hit with an axe because they think whatever it was that was chasing him was coming in through the vault. So down goes uh, the one mercenary, but then some of the other mercenaries shoot the rest of the people except for the captain and the owner of the ship who are left. There's like three people they killed. Uh, so a lot, right now there's like a lot of panic because the owner and the, the ship's captain are like, oh, we thought you were the creatures following us. So uh, there's this big discussion now between the mercenaries, Finnegan, and the owner, and everyone's getting to know each other. Uh, I forgot how they found her, though. She she got out. She managed to, like, pick her way out of it. And then they found her in the elevator. So, Thanke's character they came across later. Uh, but then they soon find her being pursued by what looked like little uh, snakes or whatever that, like, fly through the... The, the duct work. Duct work. And uh, they find out they can squeeze through piping and stuff like that, and they uh, operate by sound. So, obviously, the ownership, uh, he's kind of like saying, well, these are these little creatures that if you go down 4,000 feet, they're, like, so long. They, like, are cannibalistic a little bit, or meat eaters. But if you go down 23,000 feet, it's, like, much larger. So he's already kind of trying to say what it is and we're not really quite sure and they think there might be some sort of mutated version of the creatures he's talking about we also find out that the owner is the one who knows the head of the mercenary so this was not just an inside job but the owner wanted the ship to sink because he wanted the insurance money uh, to get back from it so the captain was kind of pissed off about that uh, played by David Warner, the great David Warner and the late great David Warner um, so obviously as time goes on the mercenaries are hunted down by these creatures and uh, they're trying to figure a way to get back on their boat which has like a big hole in it now F forget how it happened but uh, or they hit the, they they the speedboat when they were on their way to they the were, liner they were trying to um, first of all they they didn't realize they, the um, non uh, mercenaries mercenaries the people who owned the boat, the small boat, were trying to get parts yeah. to fix their vessel. They were going to get that from the liner because they have a shop and there. They, and they figured because it's such a large vessel that they have a machine shop and they, they could get parts. So part of that was they're fixing their vessel and when they got on board they were really trying to just get as many people off as possible yep and apparently a couple of things according to this article one was unfortunately roger ebert considered a deep rise as one of the worst films ever which is garbage really it was really funny right oh my gosh yeah so he, he thought the guy who wrote the article says hey, that's kind of crap but then also very interesting i didn't know uh, Harrison Ford was allegedly to be originally casted as John Finnegan, but he ended up going to Treat Williams. And I think, in a way, Treat does a lot better job because he's just subtle about his com his comedic moments, you know, when he he's sarcasm, basically. Like, in the clip, he's like, you know, uh, for the hearing impaired, and then he, like, knocks one of the mercenaries down, you know. So he's just very subtle about the way he delivers his... Uh, comedy bits 
uh, within like a tense moment. And even so, uh, I forget fucking um, what the name of Joey, the actor's name. He's really good, but he is like the the shining light for me in this because he is. he's he's very funny. He's very uh, nerdy. Uh, you know, he's. He, he, I won't give away too much because I know, even though it's an older film, I, I, the ending's like one of the best ever for us. I I really think if you've never, like me, if you've never seen it, you should totally see it. Yep. Uh. So yeah, basically they they all battle towards the end. Of course, you're losing mercenary after mercenary, and there is a moment where I was going to use the clip where Joey. He's running with the leader of the mercenaries down one of the corridors and being chased by this creature, the creatures. And uh, they start discussing, like, well, the only way these creatures stop pursuing these is when they eat. So Joey's like, well, what do we do to make it eat? And then the mercenary turns around and shoots him in the leg to make him fall behind so he'll get eaten. Then Joey's, like, pissed off. So later... Uh, they're in like a big room, one of the like auditoriums or something, and uh, Joey's kind of hiding out, and he, he's got a gun, and all of a sudden he sees the mercenary guy on the counter above him, who at first he's like, "Fuck, you know, like I don't want this guy to kill me," but then he realizes this dude's being eaten slowly by this creature, and uh, so he starts to leave. And then he looks back, and, you know, the mercenary dude's like, I think it's Hanover's his name, and he's like, he has this look like, I need you to give me a gun so I can kill myself before I, because you digest slowly with these creatures. We, the special effects were some of the, uh... It was amazing special effects. They... The only problem was probably just CGI with the monster itself, but, At the end, yeah. But, basically, what they said this monster did was, like, liquefy. Yeah. And if you haven't figured it out, it was really wasn't like many creatures. It was like a big giant kraken or octopus uh, that was behind all this, and so its tentacles were kind of going all over the place. But Joey decides he's going to give Hanover the gun, and says, "Don't don't say I never did anything for you." And he starts to leave, and uh, Hanover shoots at him but misses, and then like Joey's like. You fucking asshole! <laughs> and then leaves, and then, of course, Hanover has no bullets left. He didn't realize how many bullets were in the gun, so he can't kill himself. So now he's going to digest nice and slowly and alive while he's inside the thing. So that's one of the funny moments that's in this. Uh, and they're littered throughout. Like, there's just, it's, it's a horror comedy, but it's just really well-placed with all the bits. And uh, the cast is very strong. I agree. The cast is very strong. You had a lot of familiar faces. Like, uh, I know with the Mercenary group, I've seen so many of them in different roles in other movies. So I mentioned the one guy who was playing Kano in the Mortal Kombat mm -hmm. film. Uh, there's another guy there who I think ends up playing um, Hyde in the uh, Sean Connery film. Um, God damn it, what's the one? The one where they had uh, Dorian Gray and all them with Stuart Townsend. What was the movie? Uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. So he plays Hyde in that film. So there were some familiar faces. Uh, and as I saw another guy from the Arnold Schwarzenegger film. So there's just so many guys in there. And of course the lead, uh, Wes Studi, he uh, played in Last of the Mohicans. So, you know, a lot of these guys are so... Did he really? Yeah, he was one of the Indians in that. Uh, 
So just so many good films, uh, actors and stuff in there. In fact, I think even, like you said, David Warner, I think even the guy who played the owner, I think I've seen him and stuff too. I just can't really place No, we have seen him. I, I, I can't place him, but we have seen him. The guy who plays the owner of the vessel, yeah, I, I, I know we've seen him, but I can't place him. Mm. So guys, if you've never seen this, watch it. I hope we didn't spoil it too much. No, no, no. It, it's look. It, if you had a lot of fun, like, I, and in fact, they made a good sort of comparison with stuff like Lake Placid. Lake Placid's like one of my favorite movies ever because it has both horror and comedy mixed in. There's a lot of good lines. Uh, you know, they have a similar feel. So uh, forget what you see on. Rotten Tomatoes and not, they don't really know. Just, when you love fun movies of the 80s, like, we won't steer you wrong. <laughs> like, this is one of those good ones out there that uh, need to be seen. Really? Trust me. I've never seen it, and I enjoyed it. I didn't fall asleep. You know that means it's good. <laughs> right. All right, let's get back into our last two blocks. What, what do we have? We have some Furnace coming up from Against PR, Dysmorphic Demurge, new stuff from them. Ooh. Void Witch from Everlasting Spew Records and Guillotine AD from Grand Sounds. But here's some Severed Head Shop from Everlasting Spew Records. Thank you. You're too late! The fucking has begun! Oh!
could be microbial, viral, parasitic, fungal. Or the wrath of God? There's that.
Of course.
DJ Anubis. Hey, DJ Neko. Getting ready to close out another edition of the Hordes of Chaos. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to check us out and listen to us. And uh, definitely appreciate all the support we get from you all. We love playing the music for you and talking about entertainment stuff and sometimes social issues like we do. But uh, Definitely share our website, www.metaltavernradio.com. Share it. Love Share it. it. Love Spread it. Spread it like a disease. Like herpes? Yeah. <laughs> Simplex tan. <laughs> That's the next movie we're watching. <laughs> That's the next movie. Sorry, guys. All right, y'all. Thank you very much again. Uh, be sure to check out our YouTube channel. It's under DJ Anubis, I think is the name of it. Mm-hmm. That's me. DJ Anubis Metal Tavern. So there's a couple of... D- there's a DJ Anubis who does, like, club music. So if you just go... That's not me. That's not him. So his... You'll see the Metal Tavern banner. I have a big banner. So he's DJ Anubis Metal Tavern. Like, that's the end of his YouTube the other DJ Anubis is like club music, and I think he lives in France. So check out our, check out his YouTube, and please share, like, subscribe, and get the metal music out there. We have so many underground bands that we are trying to promote, and we just want them to do the best that they can. These are not like gigantic metal music bands like ACDC or Megadeth even the rock bands aren't that big I mean yeah. obviously Garbage was at one point but like some of these other bands that we're playing aren't that super popular or you know don't have a wide audience so we're all trying to just get them all recognition and you know if obviously if some bands fit your fancy and others don't that's fine but for the ones that do go and get their merch and support their websites and hit the like button on them and whatnot. Yeah, find them on Facebook and following them is just a big deal because I... What was the band that I really liked last week? Um, shit. Regardless, I, I, I subscribe to them and follow them. That's because we have so many bands to I try know. to remember. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll look it up because... I, I really like the song, and I subscribe to them, and I'm like, oh my god, they only have 1,200 followers. It, it, it just hurt me. So, when DJ Anubis posts this, he posts their Facebook pages so that you can follow them. And, I mean, just give them a, a thumbs up, a like, or, or whatever, so that they know that you, you heard them on Metal Tavern Radio. It's, for us... It's literally a labor of love. We only want these underground bands to succeed. Yeah, and go to their, you know, whatever promotional site or labels that's pushing them. Be sure to go to their pages, too, because they have other bands on their rosters that you can check out. So just like our last song here, uh, 10,000 Years, with a song called Cult Axe. It's from Infecting Cells PR. So if you like what you hear... Go check out their page on Facebook um, and give them a like and check out any roster bands they have on there. So, Exactly. I I am so happy that y- you have, you've made such a great connection with all of these, you know, underground bands because all we want to do is give them exposure. All right, all. Thanks again. Thank you. We love you all. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy the July 4th. That's right. Happy 4th of July. Happy America's birthday. Birth. Birth.
Perf. Peace. Peace, love. Yeah.